There must be a large crowd downstairs because there's a small crowd left up here. That's okay. It's okay. It's a feast, and the fewer people feasting, the more for each of us. Hmm? Is that how that works? (laughs) All right. Uh, What a blessing. What a blessing to be worshiping our great Savior together this morning. Um, What a great time of of, uh, lifting our voices in praise. Uh, Let's ask the Lord uh, for His presence this morning as we worship Him together. Father, we are needy. We need You, Lord. Um, We recognize our inadequacies, but Lord, we praise You for Your perfect and complete provision for us. We ask, Lord, that Your Spirit would touch each of our hearts this morning. That your spirit would fill each of our hearts this morning. That we would hear and understand and obey your word together. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, this is a little bit of a test. A couple of weeks ago we did this together and uh, there was a cheat sheet. Today we're going to try this without the cheat sheet. So say with me, our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sin as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for... Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's something we need to keep front and center in our minds, isn't it? In our hearts. The fact that the kingdom belongs to the Lord. He is eternal in the heavens and His kingdom is eternal. We've, we've looked at, two weeks back, um, the seven different perspectives that we mentioned of the presence of God's kingdom. It's eternal. He's king over creation. Um, he anointed and chose Israel to be a kingdom of priests to him. Um, then we see that the king himself walked this earth. And then the king, Jesus, resides in every believer. So he's here now, where the king is, the kingdom is. He has brought us together into his body, and his body represents his kingdom and models his kingdom. And then when the father says, go, he will go, come back to earth and set up a thousand years of literal physical kingdom on the earth, the millennium. At the end of that, he'll return it back to the Father, and it'll be the eternal kingdom again, as it always was and always shall be. Then last Sunday, we, um, we did a very quick and very 
shall I say shallow, because the depths cannot be plumbed, but uh, an overview, briefly touching on the person of the kingdom, that is King Jesus. <clears throat> we saw that he has all authority, that he's the human face of Almighty God. He's the creator of everything. Jesus has preeminence over all creation. He holds the universe together by the word of his power. And he is the head of the ecclesia, the church. And he displays his glory. Our Savior and Lord and King displays his glory in every interaction that we see him have. Something a little different this morning, if, if you guys are up for it. Um, no calisthenics. But, uh, so we've talked a couple Sundays now about the kingdom and different aspects of it. Um, does anybody have any ideas that they want to share, or any comments that they want to share, or any questions you might have on the subject of God's kingdom? Anything that's furrowing your brow or great insights that have come to you. And don't all speak at once, please. The kingdom is within us now. That is exactly right, Gary. And, and what, how, does, how does that happen? And where is he? And where else is he? In us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ, the King, is in each of us believers. And in that way, the kingdom is here among us, in the midst of you. Matt. Good point, and, and that's kind of why we've been focusing on it uh, for the last couple of weeks and continuing for at least this Sunday and next, um, that especially, and I mentioned this, especially as Americans, we're not into kings. <laughs> we're into ourselves. We're into uh, representative government and presidents and, and uh, governors and mayors and but we're not into kings much. We uh, went to great lengths and uh, great physical and economic and personal cost to get rid of a king, remember? Well, not all of us remember, but some of us may. Um, but here we are. We, as Americans, as independent um, self-governing Americans, we're asked to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven, which means we have a king. And which means that uh, we have to get a little bit of a different perspective about it, don't we? And so um, that's kind of what we're about. Any other thoughts? Yeah? How are we to treat our king? Very good question. Um, what do you think? What kind of treatment does a king deserve? Honor, respect. glory, respect, 
submission, appreciation, obedience. We fear him. Why would a person fear a human king? Yes, human kings um, have the authority to separate your head from your body, don't they? And some have done that. Um, We fear our king, our King Jesus, for a different reason. We fear him in awe, in admiration, in submission, in obedience, all those things. Let's look at, and this isn't part of what I'd already written down, but it's a good thing to think about. Um, In the book of the unveiling, who knows what that is? Mm -hmm. That's what that word means. Apocalypse means the unveiling. The unveiling of Jesus Christ. The revelation. Um, Here's how we treat a king. The four living creatures in Revelation 4 and verse 8 say, Each having six wings were full of eyes round and within, and they do not rest day or night, singing... Saying, excuse me, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Verse 9, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. So how do we treat a king? We worship him. And cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So there's a glimpse on how to, how to treat our king. That's a good thing to remember too, isn't it? I had this ready to pass around to people who had comments not necessary, all you robust voices out there. I won't say loud mouths. No, I won't go there. <laughs> you did not hear me say that. Other thoughts, other ideas, comments, questions about the kingdom of heaven, the, king, the, the kingdom of God, and the king? Yeah, what, Matt? It's a privilege, isn't it? It's a privilege to um, be giving the king our worship. Yes. Yes. Right. There's there's a mystery about that, isn't there? It's it's a here and not yet. And uh, Jesus mentioned that, and uh, we'll just take him at his word, rather than um, try to diagram that. But we do know that it's, it's now, and we do know that it is future as well. So, um, yeah, lots of things about the kingdom. And 
God was king before he created Adam. God was king before Adam fell. God was king before he promised a redeemer. God and his kingdom is overall. All the things we, or many of the things we as believers um, worship him for, and rightly so, um, come under that large umbrella of God and his kingdom. So today, we could just sit here and converse for hours, couldn't we? Um, Maybe have to remember that. I won't have to spend all night getting a sermon ready. Uh, But today, I did get a sermon ready. So the topic uh, today is the power of the kingdom. Remember the presence of the kingdom, the person of the kingdom. Now today, the power of the kingdom. And um, without... forethought and without planning ahead, many of, of the songs that we sang together this morning uh, refer to, to uh, God's mighty power, and uh, I was blessed by that. It turns out that the kingdom of God has humanly impossible requirements and unattainable goals. You may find yourself frustrated as I do when we try to live out God's standards in our own strength. I don't measure up. I fail. I miss the mark. And I'm quick to blame myself and live defeated. Do you think maybe you've had a helping or two of the same? (laughs) I think maybe some of us, all of us have been in that place one time or another. The thing is, God knows his own high standards and our frailties, and he has made provision for us. I'm glad about that, aren't you? So let's examine some of the ways he has displayed his power for us. Remember, his kingdom has lofty standards of citizenship, and he knows that we can't do it on our own. So what kind of power does he supply? Let's look at three different uh, ways that God has displayed his power to us and for us. The first power source in God's kingdom is the king himself, Jesus Christ. And there's lots of examples in Scripture, and we're going to go through some of these, um, hopefully. And this is a large endeavor for Haley in the back booth, because she had to find all these verses and put them on the screen. So, here we go, Haley. Jesus demonstrated power to heal in Luke 5.17. Now, it happened on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So Jesus has power to heal and demonstrated that. Jesus also showed power over nature. Matthew eight twenty three through 27, and this is a familiar story. Now when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly... A great tempest arose on the sea, 
so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then Jesus came to him and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Power. Power over nature. Power over creation. Jesus has power over demons. Mark 1, verses 25 through 28 say, But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee. So Jesus, again, power over demons. He has power over Satan. In Hebrews 2, in verse 14, we read, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Jesus, our king, is greater than Satan, has power over Satan. We saw back on Easter, if you were listening, we weren't here that day. But um, we talked about the fact that Jesus has the keys to death and hell. The keys represent the authority, don't they? So, an- another way his power is dis- displayed in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 45, we see that Jesus has power to impart spiritual life. Um, So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, and that's Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. And he has power to keep the saints, you and me, those who believe on his name for salvation. We read in 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 5, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So Jesus' power, our King's power, extends all the way to our salvation, and the power to keep us. You might be asking, this is a lot of different aspects of the power of Jesus. What kind of power is it? Dunamis. Um, We get our word dynamite from that. But it is the power of Jesus' resurrected life. It's given to us. In Romans 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul writes concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by 
by the resurrection from the dead. It's resurrection power. And <laughs> there was a song that I was thinking of, that same power. Romans eight eleven. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Amen. That ought to, again I say, those of you who have hair, that ought to make it stand up a little. So Jesus empowers us with His resurrection life. We can be faithful kingdom citizens. Remember we started off by saying that it's a challenge. If we try by ourselves in our own strength and power, probably not going to have a good outcome. But we have the power of Jesus' resurrected life available to us. Okay, that's the first power source in the kingdom that I'm going to mention today. And the second one being the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowered Jesus' earthly ministry. Luke 1.35 says, And the angel answered and said to her, Excuse me, empower Jesus' earthly arrival. We'll get to ministry the next one. Um, Holy Spirit empowered Jesus' earthly arrival. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And we know that story. That's the story of um, the virgin birth. The, uh, the fact that God Himself came to earth in the form of a baby. But that was the Holy Spirit's power involved. And then, as I said, Jesus ministered. His ministry was in the power of the Holy Spirit. And lots of verses, okay? And they're kind of just picked here and there. But they demonstrate the points being made. And uh, there, there's long lists of references in each point. So we're just picking here and there. But there's lots. Okay, lots and lots of verses. Matthew twelve twenty eight. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Uh, we also see the power of the Holy Spirit empowering the Apostle Paul and the gospel message. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 4 says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but with demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So, once again, power in the kingdom, both from the King and from the Spirit. As believers, we are given power when the Holy Spirit fills us. If you've been in Awana, you probably know this verse. But you shall receive power after or when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You shall receive power. Acts 
when the Holy Spirit is come upon you. So, not only did the Spirit power Jesus' earthly arrival and his ministry and Paul's ministry, he empowers us in the kingdom. And that particular filling of the Spirit became the birth of the ecclesia, the church. As we read in Acts 2, verse 4, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We remember the story of Pentecost. Um, They waited, the wind and the fire came, and they gave glory to Jesus, to the multitude, and each heard the message in their own language. That was a Holy Spirit work. And that is known as the birth of the church. So the Holy Spirit was the power behind the birth of the church. Third point, the power of the kingdom is available to us in the gospel. The good news of the new king. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Who remembers um, the cultural um, meaning of the word gospel, evangel, the English word for the Greek word that we translate gospel. <clears throat> the evangel was known in the time, and in fact it was known, as I said before, the, uh, the writing of the New Testament. And it had to do with the announcement of a new king. Heralds were sent out to all the regions to announce that there was a new king when the old one died or was overthrown or whatever. There's a new king. And they considered that good news. The word evangel means good news. But the good news was that there is a new king. And by the way, bow down to him. By the way, he's the new king. Give him your loyalty. Give him your oath of fealty. And um, we have, we've kind of gone through that, but that's a reminder that this power of the kingdom is the message that there is a king. There is a new king. His name is Jesus. He has defeated sin and death. And that was the message. That was the kingdom message that Peter proclaimed, that Paul proclaimed, that was being proclaimed um, in the book of Acts. The gospel has the power to convict and convince. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 says, Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. As you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. That assurance there is that you can be sure of this message. This is a true, reliable, trustworthy message. This gospel. And that is powerful. God's word. The gospel is 
contained in God's Word, but God's Word represents the Gospel. So, in fact, God's Word has the power to teach, to convict, to correct, and to train in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16. We're going through lots of Awana verses, aren't we? All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, that's teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The Word has power to wash. The Word cleans us. Ephesians 5, verses 25 and through 27 say, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, the church, with the washing of water by the word. There it is. That he might present her to himself, a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So, three ways that we see power in the kingdom. The power of the kingdom is available in the king. King Jesus brings resurrection power into his kingdom and he imparts his resurrection life to us. The Holy Spirit, number two, empowers believers and the church by his filling. Now, a um, whole different sermon or series of sermons, the filling of the Spirit. But let's just think about it a minute. That is something that we're instructed to ask for. Ask the Father. He'll give you the Spirit full measure um, we are to live by the spirit by that power of the spirit to walk in the spirit and we look at that and think this is my job this is when we think of it at all we think okay I need to do this I need to be there I need to be surrendered and submitted and ask for the filling of the spirit and that's all good and true. But here's a thought, and I really hadn't thought of it in this perspective before. What would it be like, do you suppose? Imagine, if you will, a local body of believers, a roomful, each filled with the Spirit together. That's what happened at Pentecost. And... Uh, there were some amazing results, weren't there? And I think that's ultimately what God has in mind for, for us. His bride, His body, is that we together are filled with the Spirit and, and follow. See, it's not to be filled with the Spirit so I can do my agenda. I have a lot of things to get done today, Lord. Fill me with Your Spirit so I can get them done. No. When we are filled with the Spirit, it's so that He can do His agenda through us. Hmm? And just imagine, like I said, imagine 
a roomful together filled with the Spirit for God's agenda, for the glory of Jesus Christ, not for our own program, not for our own, own to-do list. It's for His. Something to think about, pray about. I would like to be here when it happens, okay? Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be great? I think it would be great. And then we've seen that the gospel message in God's entire word is the power of God unto salvation, available to everyone that believes. So, we're not left without the ability that God uh, requires of us to, to accomplish his tasks. Remember those stringent standards that God has for his kingdom? Jesus said that if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will be by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a pretty severe standard, even in human terms, because the Pharisees are merely human. But they... Uh, they focused on and majored in their human righteousness of keeping the law according to what they thought. But if you don't have a greater righteousness than them, you're going to by no means enter the kingdom. So how can that even happen? But praise God, we have the power. <laughs> and it is all from God. <laughs> it's not us. Remember, your righteousness must exceed the Pharisees' righteousness. And there is a righteousness that does exceed the Pharisees' righteousness. What would that be? Jesus' righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus Christ and His righteousness is ours. Wait a minute. I'm the guy that misses the mark. I'm the guy that lives defeated. I'm the guy that messes it up fairly often. And yet you say, I have Jesus' righteousness? I do. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Notice when that happened. And it says, you are in Christ Jesus who someday will become for us. No, it doesn't say that. He became, past tense. It's a done deal. It's already happened. A big, big, big part of living by faith is to read that to hear it, to acknowledge it, and to live by it. Live by the knowledge and the truth and the accomplishment already done that Jesus Christ is our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. Not depending on what I feel like today, what I messed up today, what I can't get done today, 
what I'm inadequate for. Kingdom citizen, ask yourself this question. Am I attempting to follow King Jesus? Because he told us to do that. Follow me, he said. Am I attempting to follow King Jesus and his commands by my own strength in the flesh? Or am I living by faith in the ability, the authority, and the power that God has provided for me through his Son, his Spirit, and his Word? Let that be our challenge. Let us remember that as we go about living every day. It's in the power of Jesus, the power of the Spirit, the power of His Word that we're able to be faithful kingdom citizens. That's what the Lord wants from us. Let's pray together. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for the reminder from so many places in Your Word that You have not left us powerless. You knew our frailty. You knew the abilities that we lacked and you provided, Lord, and we thank you. We thank you that we are already righteous and sanctified and redeemed already in our Savior. Lord, keep these thoughts foremost in our mind. Help us to walk in that faith. Help us, Lord, to Seek your filling, your Spirit's filling in our lives for that power that we need. We'll thank you in Jesus' name.